I've got one scripture or three scriptures that I'm going to read. Uh, I believe the Holy Spirit gave me this that I'm going to share this morning. Uh, basically, it's seven statements. I don't really have to preach. I could just mention the statements because they uh, speak for themselves. But uh, let me read the scripture, Hebrews chapter 12, verse 26 to 29. Whose voice then shook the earth, but now he has promised, saying, yet once more I shake not only the earth, but also heaven. Now, this yet once more indicates the removal of those things that are being shaken as of things that are made, that the things which cannot be shaken may remain. Father, we thank you this morning for your word, your word that it's a lamp unto our feet and a light unto our path. Entrance of your word gives understanding to the simple. We thank you that you've already declared that heaven and earth shall pass away, but the word of the Lord shall endure forever. Pray that you'll anoint us this morning as we share your word. Anoint the ears that hear it, that the word may fall on good ground. and Bring forth seed, bring forth fruit that will glorify your name. In Jesus' name, amen. We're living in a very crazy world at the moment. Uh, there are a lot of things happening here in the United States, and many, many people are shocked by some of the things that we see. But it's not just happening here, it's happening throughout the world. No matter where you go, uh, these things are taking a place. It's the days of Noah, corruption and violence in every country of the world, corruption in high places, low places, uh, violence, all these things taking place. The days of Sodom and Gomorrah are also here. We see those things taking place. And... Uh, the reason why I believe there's so much evil in the world today is because uh, Jesus is coming back. And the devil knows that his time is short. And so he's flooding the world with his demonic spirits and his evil forces. For the first time that we've seen that Satanist churches are now becoming visible, they'd accepted. Uh, Satanism is accepted in our society, in a country that was founded on biblical principles. Uh, we see temples of false gods, and uh, the world is being bombarded with many, many different gods. Gods that are imposters, gods that have no power, and gods that are not able to meet the needs of people. And so, Everything looks very shaking. I believe God is shaking the world and he's going to shake the church because the Bible says that judgment must begin at the house of God. And if it begin with us, what will be the end of them that believe not? You see, God wants to purify his church. He's not coming back for the church that is weak, worldly. He's not coming back for the church that is full of Spots and blemish is coming back for the church without wrinkle and blemish. A pure, righteous church. And so he's preparing his church for that great day. And so we have to understand, although many things around us are being shaken, things are changing, truth is cast in the streets, there are some things that are unshakable, immovable, 
Nothing will move them, nothing will shake them, and nothing will do away with them. We know there's an attack against the Bible. It always has been. There's attack against God, and there's attack against the church. For those of you that have committed your lives to Jesus Christ, or born-again believers, times are going to be difficult. Things are not going to be easy. You're going to be slandered just because you put your trust in Jesus Christ. You're going to be hated by people just because you made that decision to follow Him. So if there's ever been a time for us to get strong, it's now. If there's ever been a time for us to be rooted and grounded in the Word of God, it is now because the days in which we live. The seven things I believe the Holy Spirit gave me, of course, there are many, many more. There are many other truths that are unshakable. But the seven He gave me for this morning is the seven I'm going to share with you. And the very first one is, there is only one true God. There is only one true God. John 17, 3 says, and this is eternal life that they may know you, the only true God and Jesus Christ, whom you have sent. The only true God. As I've said, there are many gods in the world today. People worship the earth. People worship cows. Uh, Some people say worship a higher power than yourself. And, And so there are multitudes of gods in our world today. And what we have to understand is that all these gods are dead. They have no power, they have no life, and they cannot do anything for their followers. There is only one true living God, and it is the God of the Bible, the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, and the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. And so we see already among many believers are beginning to speak about Uh, uh, There are many, many ways to heaven. There are many, many uh, ways to worship and there are many gods that we can turn to and that we need to be tolerant of all these gods. But how can we be tolerant to something that is false, to something that is not true? We must stand up for the truth, the whole truth, and nothing but the truth because the truth will set you free. And so there's only one God. He is omnipotent all-powerful, he's omniscient, he's everywhere at the same time, and he is a great God, a God of mercy, a God of joy, a God of peace, a God of righteousness, a God of mercy, and a God of grace. He is different from every other God that is presented to humanity today. Every other God demands their followers to carry heavy burdens in order to follow them. Our God gives us more than He requires from us because He's a gracious and a giving God. Amen. Now, when you look at the Old Testament, you'll see the history of God's people. God has always wanted a people. His plan was to have a people that will worship Him, love Him, and serve Him. And so He chose Israel. And Israel has a history uh, that is up and down. Every time there was a new king in Israel, he would lead the people astray. When they've got a good king, he leads them the right way. And so here in the book of uh, 1 Samuel, 
We read about Elijah the prophet. And Ahab is the king of Israel. He leads the people uh, the wrong way. He's involved with Jezebel. And uh, the people begin to worship a false god by the name of Baal. And God has had enough of it. And he tells Elijah the prophet to go and tell the people, how long do they hold between two opinions? If the Lord is God, follow him. And if Baal is God, follow him. Make up your mind. Who is your God? If you want to follow the true and living God, follow him. And if you want to follow Baal, follow him. And so Elijah the prophet came to the people and he told the people what God is saying. You see, God raises up prophets even today. And uh, it's not about titles, it's about ministry. The style of ministry, the prophetic ministry where God raises up prophets because the prophets are, are, are shown the weakness of the church. The prophets are shown when the church goes in the wrong direction. You know for a fact we are ordinary people, although we're the children of God, but we seem to take the things of the world and the things of the world become part of the church and it doesn't take long and the church is going in the wrong direction. That's why we need the prophets to speak up for God, to say that the church must be based on the Word of God. So God raises up prophets and God's raising up prophets once again because the church has gone astray. If you see uh, many of the big churches, many large churches, uh, many of the pastors are beginning to cave in and they're giving up uh, precious truths just in order to please people, in order to be popular, in order to be famous. And so there's a lot of nonsense going on in the body of Christ. So the prophet comes and he speaks on behalf of God and he says, this is what God's word says and this is what God requires from you and this is the way you ought to walk. So we need the voice of the prophets. So God raises up Elijah and Elijah goes and tells the people and then he goes to the prophets of Baal and he says to the prophets of Baal, why don't you come to Mount Carmel and build an altar? You put your sacrifice on it. I'll do the same thing and we'll pray. And the God that answers by fire, let him be God. And so they had to make a decision. And so the prophets of Baal came to Mount Carmel. They came in their, probably in their religious garb. And they came with all their religiosity and all their uh, forms and things they did. And they began to dance around the altar, whatever they did, and said, oh, Baal, hear us, oh, Baal, hear us. And they wanted Baal to talk to them and Baal to send fire. But there was no fire and Baal wasn't talking. But Elijah the prophet is only one man. One man right with God is the majority, by the way. And he stands on one side and he says to the prophets, maybe your God's on leave. Maybe he's on vacation. Maybe he can't hear you. Shout louder. And the Bible says that these prophets, 400 of them, began to cut themselves until the blood flowed. Oh, Baal, hear us. Oh, Baal, hear us. All day long, no fire. You see, some people say all you have to be is sincere. Well, they were sincere but they were sincerely wrong. You see, you can be sincere and sincerely wrong. And so it's not a, a case of just being sincere. We need the truth, the whole truth and nothing but the truth. So here we find this, this man, uh, these people praying and there's no fire. You see, they had no testimony. 
And that is the truth with every false God. You see, they could not look back and say, historically, our God Baal did this. Historically, our God Baal uh, uh, brought rain. Our God brought fire. Our God uh, did the miraculous. They couldn't say it because they could not look back because there was no testimony of the power of their God because he was a false God and he was powerless. But with Elijah the prophet, it was different. He, 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 he got the people together and he began to pray. And I want you to notice his prayer. It's not about himself. And folk, the church is not about us. We need to understand that. And he begins to pray and he says, Oh Lord, God, let it be known this day that there's a God in Israel and that I'm your servant and I'm doing all this because you told me to do it. He gives God the glory. You see, Elijah took up the challenge or Elijah put out the challenge because he could look back and he could look time and time again how mighty his God is. The miraculous things that his God had performed. That God had sent fire from heaven. That he led the, led the Israelites through the wilderness with, with a pillar of fire at night. That he gave rain and stopped rain. All the miraculous things Elijah knew that his God was able to do. And he knew that if he takes up this challenge, his God will not let him down. And as he begins to pray, the fire comes. And it does not only consume the sacrifice, but the whole altar is burnt up. And the people fall on their faces. That's what it says. And they say, the Lord, He is God. The Lord, He is God. The Lord, He is God. You see, God of Elijah is the true God. He's the one that needs to be worshipped. Many of those people realized that day the prophets were all killed and they realized that they were serving a God who could do nothing for them. And you know, there are many gods today, like I said, and, and some of these gods creep into our lives and we don't even realize it because Jesus said, uh, Jesus said something amazing. He said, you cannot serve God and mammon. You cannot serve God and mammon. Mammon is prestige, it's status, it's money. He said, you can't serve that and serve Him. Either you love the one and despise the other, but you cannot serve both. And folk, if there's a dominant God in the world today, it is the God of money. The God of money. Now, it's not wrong for somebody to be wealthy. It's not wrong for someone to have a lot of money. It's not wrong, those things. But money in itself is not wrong. It's the love of money that is evil. And today we see a tremendous greed spirit throughout the world. Look how corrupt the world is. Look at the corruption in high places. People that you never expected it from. Lawyers and people who are in great positions. Educated people. All the corruption is going on. And it's all about money. Money, money. Why? Because they worship money. Money is their gods. And, 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 and that's the God that has taken a hold of the world today. That, that spirit of greed has even crept into the church. That there are churches that all they do is promote money, money. I, I saw on YouTube uh, two well-known pastors, big churches. Uh, they, they were preaching and talking about money and the people were coming out and throwing the money on the steps on the platform. And these pastors were jumping up and down on the money, shouting, money, 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 money. What is that? What is that? 
That's their God. And I know some of them personally. They worship money. Money cannot change your life in the way that God wants it to change. Money can't bring you in a living relationship with God. Money will let you down. Money will fail you. And yet there is so much greed in the world today. People are worshiping the God of money. Why do you think all the drug dealers and thousands of millions of them today selling the drugs, all the, the, the drugs that are coming across the world, what's it about? Is it about people saying, oh, you know what? I'm going to make some drugs and I'm going to make some people happy. Is that what it's about? No, it's about money. It's all about money. And they kill and they murder and they maim and they kidnap all because of money. And then a lot of people who buy their goods get caught up and become drug addicts and then they start stealing money because they can't live without money. They can't live without drugs and it takes money to buy drugs. So it's a rotten system. It's, it's a God of the world. That's why Jesus said you cannot serve him and money. You've got to make up your mind. I mean, over the many years I've been in the ministry, somebody came to me and said, oh, you know, God's given me a, a tremendous job and I know I'm going to make a lot of money. When I make it, I'm going to give to the church. And, and, and I said, where are you moving to? I'm moving there. Is there a church for you? I don't know. That doesn't matter. You see, the money thing is more important. And later on, you find that they're cold and they have fallen away. They no longer serve the Lord. Folk, we must not allow these gods to grip our lives because that's idolatry. We speak about idolatry today and we think it's all those stone carvings and wood carvings that are idols. There's a lot of stuff that's anything, anything that robs God from receiving your worship is an idol. And so there is only one true God and that's the God of the Bible. He's the same yesterday, today and forever. He's an everlasting God. He will never change. Heaven and earth will pass away, but God will never change. Hallelujah. And you know what? He's a wonderful God. He says, I'm not ashamed to be called your God. And I'm not ashamed to call you my people. And so this morning, uh, there, there are people who are starting to discuss. You've got to be tolerant. Everybody's got their own God. They believe in a higher power. That's baloney. One God. The true God. The God of the Bible. Number two, there's only one true Savior. One true God, one true Savior. Matthew says, and she will bring forth a son, the angel says, and you shall call his name Jesus for he will save his people from their sins. You can't get saved through religion. When I got saved uh, many, many years ago, someone said, oh, we, we, we heard some good news. We heard that you've got religion now. No, I haven't got religion. I'm too stupid for religion. I've got a relationship with the Lord Jesus Christ. Hallelujah. Not religion. Religion can't save you. You see, religion can't save you. Your family can't save you. Friends can't save you. Money can't save you. Status can't save you. Becoming famous can't save you. How many people have become famous who knew God, who worshiped God, and then fell away? Those things can't save you. There's only one Savior, and His name is Jesus. Buddha can't save you. Hare Krishna can't save you. Only the God of the Bible, Jesus Christ himself. The Bible says there's no other name given among men whereby we must be saved. No other name but the name of Jesus. Whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. Isn't that a wonderful statement? It means you can be in the valley of despair. You can be a drug addict, a drunkard, whatever, you, whatever it is, and far from God, bound by sin, 
If you call on that name, your life can be transformed in a moment. In a twinkling of an eye, God can change your life. Many, many times we've heard testimonies of people who went into a hotel room, uh, come to the end of life and planning to commit suicide. And there next to the bed was a Gideon's Bible and they picked it up and they began to read it. And they read about the name of Jesus, the Savior. And they called upon that name and God cleansed them and forgave their sin and they became new creatures. Hallelujah. There's power in the name of Jesus. We, we send people everywhere. They got problems. We send them here and there to Mary, to Joan and all over the place. And all that they're doing is playing ring a ring around the rosy. And nobody's getting freedom, man. The freedom and the liberty is in the Son of God, the Lord Jesus Christ. And I've got a witness to that. Hallelujah. I'm a witness to that. I was an alcoholic and I called upon the name of the Lord and in a twinkling of an eye, He delivered me and He set me free and I've been free for a long time. Hallelujah. There's only one true Savior and His name is Jesus. Don't do good works. Good works are like filthy rags in the sight of God. Call upon His name. There is only one way to heaven. Uh, Oprah had some people on her show and they were discussing, uh, well-known pastors, by the way, discussing, is there, uh, are there more than one way to heaven? And uh, they were kind of keeping their mouth shut. They didn't want to say, well, I'm going to tell you now. But Oprah says, there's many ways to heaven. No, there's not. There's only one way. Look what he says. Jesus said, I am the way. Not one of the ways. I am the way, the truth and the life. No man comes to the Father but beside me. The only way you and I will ever go to heaven is through Jesus Christ. He's the way to heaven, hallelujah. And I'm so glad I met him because I know beyond all doubt, I don't hope to go to heaven. I'm going to heaven. So you better start liking me while we're down here. <laughs> Amen. One way to heaven and Jesus is that way. There's only one way to receive power, to be and to do. You see, we've got a problem. Our problem is to be and to do. Some people just want to do and some people just want to be. But you've got to be and do. Understand what I'm saying? You've got to be a Christian, a, a, a believer, a child of God. You've got to be a new creature. All things must pass away. There must be a change in your life. If you say, I'm following Jesus, there must be a change in your life. You can't hold on to the old things and say, I'm a believer. No, he changes. If a man's in Christ, he's a new creature. Amen. But you know what? To be a Christian, you need power. And to do what we're supposed to do as followers of Jesus, we need power. I, I can't do what Jesus has called me to do. I don't have the ability. I'm not like Pastor Tim. Pastor Tim is an intelligent guy. I'm not intelligent. Not at all. And the only thing I can do, whatever I do, I've got to rely on the Holy Spirit. We've got to rely on the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit is the one that gives us the power to be. That's why, why the Scripture says, don't be drunk with wine, but fill the Holy Spirit. Why? So that I can be a strong believer. Because we're attacked every single day. The world hates us. The devil hates us. The demonic spirits hates us. There's a battle going on every single day in your life and my life. And so I need power to overcome. I need power to resist. 
I need power to, to, to resist every temptation that the devil will bring my way. And the power is the Holy Spirit. I need power to preach. I need power to function in the church among God's people. We need power. That's why when they chose the first deacons, they said, let choose men uh, with wisdom and full of the Holy Spirit. They never said choose uh, so many men that are highly educated or very charismatic or handsome and pretty. No, they said men full of the Holy Spirit because we need the Holy Spirit desperately today. And there's only one power, and it's the power of the Holy Spirit. He says, but you shall receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you, and you shall be my witnesses in Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, and the uttermost parts of the world. Hallelujah. You need power to be the salt of the earth. You need power to be the light of the world. You need power to be an example of the Lord Jesus Christ. You need power to be an ambassador of Christ. And that power is given to us. It's the Holy Spirit. Amen. There are only two destinies. Two destinies. Matthew 7, he says, Enter by the narrow gate. For wide is the gate and broad is the way that leads to destruction. He says there's a broad road. The gate's open. It's wide. But if you go down that path, it leads to destruction. And there are many who go in by it. Because narrow is the gate and difficult is the way which leads to life and there are only a few who find it. So there's a wide gate and a narrow gate. Let me put it for you better. There's only heaven and hell. There's no purgatory. There's no paradise. Why would you believe in something that the Bible doesn't talk about? Why would you think that you can live like you want to when you die? You go to another place and they clean you up there and then you go to the next step. Why would you believe that? You make a choice here. You and I make a decision and that's why every one of us, every single one of us, one time or another is confronted by the Holy Spirit. You've been confronted this morning by the Holy Spirit. It's the Word of God challenging you. There's a right way and there's a wrong way. There's a life eternal, there's death eternal. There's heaven and hell, that's all there is. And so we have to make a decision. And I made a decision many years ago. I was on my way to hell. And I thought, oh, I'm a big boy, you know, when I drink. I don't go, I don't, I had family that were preachers and they would tell me I'm on my way to hell. And I said, I don't care going to hell. All my friends are there. But there's no friendship in hell. Friendship comes from God. And I'm so glad when I heard the gospel and the Holy Spirit confronted me, I responded and my destiny changed. And I know I'm on my way to heaven, hallelujah. And I want to tell you something else. There's a mansion waiting for me. And when I walk down the streets of gold, are they going to recognize me? Those angels are going to call out my name. Welcome home, Tommy. You see, this is not pie in the sky. This is God's eternal word. So everyone has to make a decision. Why do we beat around the bush? Why do we first tell long stories and, and, and short stories to tell people, listen, hey, it's heaven or hell. That's it. Oh, I don't like that. I like a pastor who can cool it down, sugar it and tickle the ears. No, I'm just telling you the truth. And you know what's wonderful? You have the power to decide where you're going. You have the power. No pastor, no, I don't have any power as far as that's concerned with you. You have the power and you can make a decision today. I'm sick and tired of this broad way that leads to destruction 
I never have peace. I never have joy. Things are always falling apart. I want a different road. And the, the road I'm taking is a narrow one. Jesus said, there's only a few on that road. There are only two destinies, heaven or hell. Number six, God's plan for the gospel to be preached to every human being. That's the love of God. That's why I say you shall receive power that you can preach the gospel, uh, Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, and the uttermost parts of the world. Folk, and that's why Pastor Tinnaman are pushing to preach the gospel wherever we can. Every person deserves an opportunity to surrender their lives to the Lord Jesus Christ. But they can't rely on just pastors preaching in churches. And we'll talk about it before I close. Everyone, go therefore, make disciples of all nations, baptize in the name of the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit. That's the mandate from the Lord Jesus Christ. You know, when I got saved and I was with all these pastors and stuff, and, and uh, hey, what's your vision? What's your vision? They're all talking about vision. And I hear all kinds of visions, and I thought, Yo, what's something strange about me? Because I don't think like that. But over the years, I've learned that's not about my vision. It's about His vision. And what is his vision? Matthew 28. Go into all the world and preach the gospel. Make disciples, teaching them the things that I've taught you. That's the vision. That's his vision. And when his vision becomes my vision, I have his anointing. I have his power to accomplish it. I don't have to do it in my own strength. Amen? Hallelujah. And so God's plan for the gospel to be preached every single person. God loves every single person, no matter where they are, no matter what they've done, no matter who they are, He loves them. He wants everyone to have the opportunity to hear the gospel. Amen. Number seven, all believers, and that's where I'm going to carry on with this point, all believers are called to the ministry of reconciliation. Now, you don't often hear pastors preach on this. And, and they don't want to tell people we're all ministers. You, you, you see, some people always want to be above other people. And unfortunately, you get that in the church. You get some people, they think they're above other people. We all stand on level ground. If you're here this morning and you, you're a drug addict and you were out in the gutters, you were homeless and God has saved you and God has changed your life, the amount of blood it took, took to do that is the same amount of blood it took to cleanse me. Because we're equal. You understand that? We're equal. He loves all of us. Amen? Now look what he says. He says, he's given us a ministry. I, I, I've been in the ministry a long time. People come, oh, you know, I'm asking God, what's my ministry? I'm praying and I'm fasting. What's my, here it is. Read it. And then they say, oh, I think your ministry is so and so and your ministry is this and, and people this direction. Listen, here's your ministry. I'm giving it to you this morning. Every single one of you. It says in 2 Corinthians 5, 17, it says, Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he's a new creation. All things have passed away. Thank God for that. Behold, all things have become new. Now all things are of God, who has reconciled us to himself through Jesus Christ and has given us the ministry of reconciliation. Us. The people, all of us, given us the ministry of reconciliation. That is that God was in Christ reconciling the world to himself, not imputing their trespasses to them and has committed to us the word of reconciliation. Now then we are ambassadors of Christ as though God were pleading through us. We implore you in Christ, we are being reconciled to God. 
So he says, God has given all of us a ministry of reconciliation. That's powerful. That means I can speak to them. I have. I can speak to someone and talk to them about Jesus. And they surrender and give their life to Jesus. They are reconciled to God the Father through Jesus Christ, His Son. But I'm the one that spoke to them. That's my ministry. That's your ministry. Every one of us. Now he says, he's given all of us the ministries of reconciliation. You know what? I, you know, when, you, when, you, when you're in a ministry a long time and you find people, I'm a minister, you know, they, big boy. You know what minister means? Servant. That's what it means. We're servants. Jesus was a servant. Came not to be ministered to, but to minister and give his life a ransom for many. So we are all, but listen what it says. And he's given us the word of reconciliation. That means that when I come to speak to somebody about Jesus, I don't have to have a, pre a prepared message. I don't have to have my thoughts together. I don't have to know a, a, a dozen scriptures. No, because as, as I'm sitting under the Word and as I'm reading the Word, there's a storehouse that's been filled with the miraculous Word of God. I might not remember what I heard, but in a time of need, the Holy Spirit will take that Word and bring it out and it'll be used at that moment and it will be powerful. <laughs> Hallelujah. I went to, a, a lady came to me one day, and I use this one, there's many others, but this was a good one. My wife says, oh, I repeat, but what do you expect when you're my age, you have to repeat stuff. But I, I, I had a friend, he used to drink with me, big drinkers, teenage alcoholics. But years later, I got saved, and I became a pastor of a church, and uh, his mother came to see me, said, oh, please, won't you go and see John? He's drinking himself to death. And the mother was all messed up. And I said, where is he? She said, he's an alcoholic's home. So I went to the alcoholic's home to visit him and I spoke to him and then I invited him to church the Sunday morning. He was, he was coming out on the Friday. Uh, when I left, I thought, you know what? I don't think I'm going to see this guy again. You know, people, yeah, 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 I'll be there. Yeah, 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 you know, and then don't turn up. But uh, Sunday morning when I got to church, there he was standing, first one there. And uh, he came into the service and that morning, of course, I knew he was there, but I preached the gospel and he gave his life to Jesus. And he got saved. But this, this is the thing. This is the thing. He brought 17 family members to the Lord Jesus Christ. 17. And they all attended our church. He just passed away last year. And this was many, many years ago. And all the years, him and his family remained faithful to the Lord Jesus Christ. You see, God has given us the ministry. You, wherever you are, you're going to see people, you're going to meet people that Pastor Tim, that me and, and others will never meet. I asked somebody one day, I said, how many of you know Jeff? And I, I mentioned a surname, I want to do it this morning. In our church, I did this. How many of you know Jeff so-and-so? And no one put up their hand. I said, nobody knows him. Of course not. He's my neighbor. He's my neighbor. I'm the only one who knows him. I'm the only one that can go with the gospel too. You don't know him. So you know people that others don't know. And that's how we need to spread the gospel today. Whatever we don't be ashamed of it. Stand up for what you believe. I'm not saying tell people they're going to go to hell and, and be ugly about it. Preach and tell them, listen, it's a better life in Jesus. Wherever you are, your family, don't be scared of your family. They're going to talk bad about you anyway. Don't be scared of anybody. Stand up, stand up for Jesus. That's what we need to do today. We need to be bold with our faith. You know, when the disciples were thrown in prison, they didn't cry and get us out here, we're suffering. They said, Lord, give us boldness. 
that we may preach the gospel. God's given us all the ministry, but now I'll close with this. We're all ministers of reconciliation. He's given us the word of reconciliation, but it says also He's ordained us. Do you know what ordained means? Now, you know, you know church, church over the years, not, not our church, church, has a lot of pomp and ceremony. They do a lot of pomp and ceremony. A lot of stuff is just plain junk. No other word for it. No meaning. All dressed up with all candles and sticks. And, it means nothing. Ordination means accepted into Christian ministry. That's what it means. So you've all been ordained. If you're a believer, you've all been accepted into Christian ministry. So my encouragement to you this morning, these things cannot be shaken. They'll stand no matter what happens. But remember, every one of us has a part to play in God's great plan. Wherever you go, this coming week, or next week, or the following week, never be ashamed of the gospel because it's the power of God unto salvation to everyone that believes. You may, you may talk to somebody and they don't respond and they walk away. Someone else talks to them and they give their lives to the Lord Jesus. You have planted the seed, they have watered them. Amen? And so together, together as the church, we can do the work of God. Together. It's not going to be through, listen, it's not going to be through famous pastors. It's not going to be through famous preachers. It's going to be through ordinary people filled with the Holy Spirit understanding the ministry that God has given to them. Amen. Let me pray and then someone's going to come and make an appeal. Father, we thank You this morning that You've chosen us, that You've said to us, Lord, that You have a plan and a purpose for our lives. We thank You, Lord, that when You call us, You take us out of darkness and You bring us into Your marvelous light and we become Your sons and Your daughters. Not only do we experience your marvelous grace, your forgiveness and the cleansing power of your blood, but you also give all of us a ministry. Each one is important. And Lord, I pray this morning for this congregation here right now that every person will feel that they are important in your plan and your purpose. And I pray that you'll anoint them with the Holy Spirit wherever they go, at their workplace, in the family, that they'll stand up for the truth, that they'll share the gospel. Wherever they go, they will plant the seed, be the salt of the earth and the light of the world. Father, we ask this in Jesus' name and we thank You. Amen. Amen. God bless you.